were talking to DCF and saying, our lawyer was telling us that DCF would place Adam with us. When we talked to DCF, they said, I don't know why he would say that because you're not even Rhode Island residents. You're certainly not certified foster care parents in Rhode Island. And he said, if this child who is a healthy child, (laughs) a newborn boy, if he's placed into the foster care system, he will be adopted immediately by someone else who's waiting. He said, if you don't do something, then you won't ever see this child again. Hi, welcome to Adoption Now, telling your adoption story. I'm your host, April Fallon. My husband and I have four beautiful kids through adoption. This show started as a radio program in Denver, and we just started telling adoption stories from the perspective of the adoptee, birth parent, and adoptive parents. It's now grown into the international podcast you hear today. If you go to adoptionnow.com, you can find a story for you. We have episodes on foster care, domestic infant adoption, embryo adoption, and international adoption. We are in season five, and we're so happy to be telling such great stories this season. Adoption Now is talking about real issues that are happening right now in our adoption community. If you're about to start your adoption journey or you need help in your process, we want to connect you to the resources you need. We have agencies, therapists, and lawyers that can help you. Just go to AdoptionNow.com. So one of my favorite things about doing this show is over the last three years, I have gotten to be a part of so many adoption stories. I thank you for inviting us into your family. You know, adoption is my passion, all of it, the hard and the beautiful. And I love when families continue to adopt and keep us in the loop. So today we have an update and returning guest, Natalie Marcotte, was here in 2017 and she and her husband told their amazing adoption story with Lily. Natalie, welcome back to the show. Hey, April. Thanks so much for having me again. So you told us your story before, and when the show ended, you had just been called about a biological sibling to your daughter, Lily, who was one years old at the time? Yes, correct. Okay, so today we're going to talk about the second adoption, and it did not go as smoothly. Is that true? Mm-hmm. Correct. I remember calling you from the hospital. (laughs) Yes. And I I was so honored. Honestly, I love helping families. And I know what it's like to be in the midst of chaos and think, what's the next step? What can we do? So we're going to talk about that today. This is a great episode to help avoid some things that almost completely stopped your adoption. Don't do what I did. Don't do what I did. Yes. (laughs) Okay, so let's go back to when we ended the show last time. And you know what? I'd like to say this too. When you get the call, everybody's excited for you, but people don't realize that you still have to pay a ton of money. Like when we got our call, we still paid $20,000, $24,000 with travel. So when you say yes to keep siblings together in private infant adoption, it's not like they just hand you the baby because you have a biological sibling. You still have to come up with all of that money. And so let's start with that, because I know that that was like, okay, how are we going to do this? We do want to keep the siblings together. We do want another child. You knew it was going to be a boy. Yes, we we didn't find that out initially, but we did when she had her 20-week ultrasound. Okay, so how were you going to come up with the $20,000? Yeah, so we had thought, how how is this going to happen? Because it's the same adoptive parents, the same birth parents. This doesn't make sense at all to do it the same way we did before, and pay, you know, $25,000 when we're all kind of friends now. You know, it it just seems silly to pay that much money Mm -hmm. um, when we all knew each other already. 
So in the last podcast, I had said that we had applied to adopt from foster care through an agency the day before we found out about Adam. So we had been connected to a different agency. We were under the impression because of our first agency that they were going to charge us the same amount as they did with Lily. So we were trying to go a different route. And when we called our new agency, they said that we can provide those services that you're seeking. So basically what I was trying to do is I was trying to go through a lawyer for the primary adoption and go to an agency only for birth parent counseling and Mm -hmm. our home study update. Right, because we're all looking for ways to save money. Of course. I was contacting lawyers. I live in Massachusetts, and the babies are born in Rhode Island. So that's why our adoption is tricky, just because it's an interstate adoption. So I was calling lawyers in Rhode Island trying to find someone who could talk to me about, is it possible to just do this through a lawyer and not involve an agency? So that was what I was trying to pursue. How much money were you trying to save? Like $15,000. Okay. Yeah. Makes sense. The fees were going to be a lawyer, which we found, we did find a lawyer who said he would do the whole thing for only $3,000. And he was a family lawyer. He doesn't do a ton of adoption. So he said, I feel really good about helping people and bringing families together. So the whole thing I'll do for $3,000. And then the we needed a home study update, which was a few thousand. And then the birth parents counseling, which was kind of whatever they needed on an hourly basis. So we were we were hoping that it was going to be about $10,000 or up. Yeah. I mean, it seems like that's a fair amount when you are talking about a biological sibling and you don't have to pay a matching fee, right? You didn't wait on a list. You don't have to do a profile book. I mean, you already know the birth mother. And so it seems like, okay, I could just hire a lawyer to do this. <sighs> and it didn't right. work out. And, awesome. And the, right? Right. <laughs> Exactly. Yes, it didn't go as planned. So from before, I remember that the birth mother that had Lily had other children that she had placed as well. Why do you think she wanted to keep these two together? Yeah, that's an excellent question. So, So Lily is child number five for her birth mom, and Adam is child number six. And each of her previous children have been placed with individual families. So we're the only ones that have adopted two of the siblings together. And the reason that I think that is, is that we were the only couple that actually met the birth mom. All of the adoptions have been coordinated by our kid's grandmother and not the birth mom herself. So um, the grandmother had picked the other couples and we were the only ones, the, the grandmother did pick us, but we were the only ones who actually met birth mom and birth dad face to face in the hospital when Lily was born. So when when she realized she was pregnant again, her mother suggested us. They really liked the idea, and we had made a good impression with them when we met them in the hospital. Why do you think that her mother, the grandmother, did not want to keep the siblings together? We got misinformation about that from the beginning, mm-hmm. about Lily, when we found out about Lily and that she was child number five. The social worker told us that the other families had been asked, and... Then when I asked one of the families that, they said we absolutely weren't asked. So I'm not exactly sure how that all played out. I'm assuming that the grandmother wanted as many families to be blessed by children as possible. And in the end, there are five families that are blessed with children from these birth parents. Right. So. right. That's very interesting. I just know that in our case, when we kept the biological siblings together, it was their grandmother 
that really wanted that. Like we want these yeah. children to be together. So I just think it's mm-hmm. interesting. Now, she's also an adoptive mom, right? The grandmother? Right, right. The birth mother is adopted. Yes, by the grandmother. By the grandmother. Okay. Okay, so they choose you and you're just going to go forward. And who called and told you? Was it the grandmother or was it the birth mother? The grandmother. The grandmother. Okay. To be clear, it's Lily and Adam's grandmother, but it's the birth mother's mother. Mother. Kind of I know confusing. confusing. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Mm-hmm. So did they know you weren't going to use an agency and were they okay with that? That was very tricky. So they, they're used to working through one agency, the agency that we had when we adopted Lily. That's what they've done for all of their adoptions. So we had to meet with them. Once we figured out what we were going to do on our end and we thought everything was all fine, we went to the grandmother and pled our case a bit. And, and what was shocking is that the grandmother had no idea how expensive adoption really is. Hmm. So I got all emotional when I was talking to her and I said, you know, we absolutely want to adopt this child but we don't have $25,000 to do it. Mm-hmm. And she said she was absolutely shocked. She thought it was under $10,000. She said, that's how much the agency charges you, which I'm shocked that she was shocked. Right. In the world of adoption, most people who are familiar with adoption know, know how much it costs. So the fact that she had no idea that's how much each of her, these families are paying. So I said, we're trying to save money. This is the route we're going obviously you need to be okay with this. It would be a different agency that's, you know, liaising with your daughter and is this okay with you? And they gave us their blessing for that. Okay. And she's due in September. So you're doing all of your paperwork and all of that in the summer? Yes. Okay. 2017. Yeah. We talked about this. What is the one question you wish you would have asked the lawyer? I think we asked the questions. I think that he was so confident that what he was doing was completely correct that that is what made us confident that he knew what he was doing. I guess I guess plan B would be the question. I would say what is plan B in case your plan doesn't mm go through correctly because his plan involved getting like an emergency order from a judge to get this child placed directly with us, which never happens in adoption. Right. And he was going to get that for us because we were the parents of a biological sibling. Right. Okay. That kind of makes sense. But everybody should know in private infant adoption, you do not get guardianship. Even when you take the baby home, you don't get guardianship. They don't hand it to parents. They hand it to someone else, an agency, a lawyer, or a social worker. So when you are asking the questions of your agency or of your lawyer, and you say, okay, mom goes into labor, what is the plan? You need to have a plan. And then you need to say, and then what's plan B? Like, if that doesn't work out or you can't get here or what's the the second idea that we have? It's so, so important that you ask that because we were in the same situation as you and we're going to hear your story as it kind of unfolds. But Mm -hmm. ask that question because the the hospital is not going to hand the paperwork to you and say, hey, you guys, we really trust you. You look like great people. You can have guardianship. It doesn't happen. And what happens is they call in social workers 
And so you have to know that that lawyer is going to show up or they have somebody on staff that is going to show up into the hospital. It's very, very important. And a lot of people don't understand that. They don't realize that, oh, we can't just take the baby, even if she does sign the paperwork, but your lawyer should be there to do all that stuff anyways. And sometimes lawyers don't want to be there. They don't show up and it becomes complete chaos. So that's a very important question, like right off the bat. And honestly, in today's world, I would really recommend you just go to an adoption lawyer. We made that mistake as well. And honestly, you're like family lawyer or it's the same, right? But he really didn't know what he was really doing and he didn't really give you a plan, but you were pretty confident just because it's biological siblings, right? Well, he he had never done this particular method before, but he had done, he told us hundreds of adoptions, you know, very confidently. I've done hundreds of adoptions. And, you know, I know what I'm doing. Don't you worry. So he actually spoke to the judge that he was going to run all this by once the paperwork was all signed. And the judge, you know, verbally said to him that she would sign the papers and that she was okay with his plan. So basically, that was kind of our clinch. We were like, okay, well, if a a judge is saying this is all okay, even though the agency we were involved with was like, this sounds really weird. We've never had this situation before. I said, well, the judge said that it's going to work. So, I mean, if the judge says it's okay, then who am I to say? I certainly didn't think anything that he was doing was under the table or illegal or anything like that, because if I did, I wouldn't have moved forward with him Right, right. Okay, so I think it's very interesting. I always look at patterns in our show of kind of like, what is God trying to say to the adoption community? Mm. Because he's always reaching out. And lately, we've had a lot of applicants talking about either difficult adoptions with lawyers who haven't been honest, or we had a scam with a birth mother. And so I see that God is saying to the community, hey, we need to be praying and really watching out for each other. And don't be Mm -hmm. afraid to ask another lawyer. So even if you felt confident about that, but your agency's like, what? But sometimes agencies can be like that. They can really question everything. They don't love that you're working with a lawyer probably because they're not making the money, right? So then you would get Mm -hmm. a third party. Okay, well, this person says it. I feel really confident. Agency's questioning it. I need to get a third person involved, another agency or another lawyer. I would do that. And maybe you're listening right now and you're in this place where you're like, gosh, some of the stuff is really weird that they're saying or you just have that check in your spirit, I would say, find somebody else and just ask them. doesn't mean that you're like jumping ship. It just means you're asking for advice. Does this sound normal? Does this sound right? Because you don't want to lose your adoption because you didn't ask those questions. Okay, let's talk about the birth. So we did actually ask those questions and our lawyer was the only one that was okay with what he was doing. Okay. I mean, our agency that we were involved with their lawyer said, this is totally bizarre. And then the first agency that we adopted Lily through, we called their lawyer. They weren't comfortable talking to us because they felt like they were going behind their agency's back and talking to us individually. So they, they weren't willing to talk to us about it. But it was pretty much across the board that everybody thought this was very sketchy and weird. And But I said that the judge said it was okay. So that was where I put my confidence You did do your work, but then you decided to go forward anyways, right? Because you just want to believe until it goes wrong. You just want to believe people are good and know what they're doing. Nobody's going to lead a family astray. Nobody's going to lie to you. We were talking about, you know, 15 to $20,000 difference. So Mm -hmm. we were willing to, 
I, I don't want to use the word gamble because we did not think we were gambling at all, but we were willing to put our trust in this lawyer because of everything that he had said, that he knew what he was doing and that the judge was going to be okay with us. Mm-hmm. Okay, so take us to the day that Adam's born. Yeah, so he was born on a Tuesday. Willie was also born on a Tuesday, which is funny. Mm-hmm. And we were called actually Monday night. What was cool about Adam's birth was that, and the pregnancy of the birth mom is that we were way more involved this time because we already had a connection with the birth family. So the birth mom's sister actually was the one that was there with her while she was in labor, and she was actually sending me updates. So I would get updates from the sister before I got updates from the sister before I got updates from the social worker. So I was kind of getting a play-by-play from what was happening in the labor and delivery room. He was born early on a Tuesday, so we got the call that he had been born and that they wanted us to come into the hospital. So this time, the hospital experience was incredibly different from Lily's hospital experience, and that was all because of the way we were constructing this adoption. So essentially, when we arrived, we were guests of the birth parents, and we were not the adoptive parents in anyone's view. So we sat in the birth parents' room, their hospital room, basically until Adam had been discharged. So we spent a whole lot of time with the birth parents this time, which made the hospital experience very different from Lily's because we met Lily in the nursery and we spent time with Lily one-on-one in the nursery. We fell in love with her in the nursery. We bonded with her in the nursery. And that wasn't in front of the birth parents at all. And this time we were the guests of the birth parents while they were experiencing all those things with Adam. So that was incredibly, incredibly difficult for us. Why do you think it was different this time? Because we had no rights. The agency wasn't acting on our behalf. Mm -hmm. Our lawyer was. And the lawyer didn't have the paperwork signed yet because she had just delivered. Okay. Did he show up at the hospital? He did. So he showed up the day Adam was born. He got all the paperwork signed. And he went to court to try to get the judge that he had spoken to previously and get her to sign off on his paperwork. Mm Mm-hmm. So he got to court, and it turned out that she happened to be on vacation that day. (gasps) Oh, no. He didn't know if she was on vacation or if she was out sick, but he was going to try to reach out to her again on Wednesday. So we hear this on Tuesday. We start to panic. And then Wednesday, everything hit the fan. Okay, why didn't he just take guardianship at that time? He is not legally equipped for that. He's not like certified. He hasn't gone through the process to be able to take guardianship. Oh no. Did they call social services? They did. Oh no. I remember, oh, I'm I'm going back to this and you're going to go back to this. That must have panicked you. Yeah. DCF called us actually when we were at, you know, our cousin's house in Rhode Island, because we had to stay in Rhode Island while this was all happening they started asking us questions about Lily and, and it was, it was really crazy. We, we thought like we were almost being investigated. We were like, whoa, 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 what is happening? Yeah. We got really nervous. I think that happens so often is that you start getting questioned. We have Mm -hmm. had this happen at the hospital where our lawyer didn't show up. And so of course, social services show up and you don't want your child to go into foster care because that is so messy. 
You want the child to stay as a private infant adoption. That's what you paid for. That's what your plan is. Everybody's on board. Once the child goes into the foster care system, then it's a whole new set of paperwork. It's completely different. So when they show up, were you thinking, um, what are we going to do? Can we take him home? Yeah, it was really very scary. So I would say that Wednesday was one of the most difficult days of my life because I wasn't sure if um, we were going to get Adam when he was discharged. And we were just waiting on pins and needles the entire day because our lawyer was trying to find this judge. She wasn't in on Wednesday. So he went to the substitute judge, whatever that term is, and that person wasn't comfortable signing off on this paperwork, which is why, like, what would be plan B? Let's say the judge isn't there that day. What's what's the backup plan? So he couldn't get the paperwork signed. So DCF stepped in and said, if there's not an agency involved upon discharge, which was Thursday morning, this child is going to go into our custody. So then we were talking to DCF and saying, our lawyer was telling us that DCF would place Adam with us. When we talked to DCF, they said, I don't know why he would say that because you're not even Rhode Island residents. You're certainly not certified foster care parents in Rhode Island. And he said, if this child who is a healthy child, (laughs) a newborn boy, if he's placed into the foster care system, he will be adopted immediately by someone else who's waiting. She said that to you? So he said, if you don't do something, then you won't ever see this child again. Oh my gosh. Oh, that had to have been the hardest moment. And to feel like you were taken advantage of, you weren't told the right information. How can this be? And we have a biological sibling. You can't separate the siblings, even from state to state. I mean, do you think that they really felt that way or are they just being difficult? No, DCF said to us, like, we don't want this to happen. We don't want Mm -hmm. to have to step in and take this child. They said all the people at the hospital don't want us to come in and take this child. Your agency, your lawyer, the birth parents, you, no one here wants this scenario to play out. But unless an agency, someone has to take custody of this child and it's going to be us if it's not your agency. So the redemptive part of this story is that our agency, thank God, knowing that this situation was what they thought was unusual and sketchy, they said, we're going to have the birth parents sign all of our paperwork in advance of the birth in case something <gasps> falls through. Oh, wow. And then and then Wednesday night, we were driving home from the hospital, and I think it was almost 12 o'clock. We spoke to our lawyer, we spoke to DCS, and they both said, you need to sign with the agency. And we had talked to the agency, and they said, it's $20,000 if you sign that paperwork. Oh, my goodness. So if we're required to step in and take custody of this child, you have to pay us $20,000. Oh, my goodness. Obviously, at that point, at 5 o'clock, we said... He's being discharged tomorrow morning. $20,000 is the only standing, is the only thing standing between us and taking this baby home. We're paying you $20,000. So we signed the paperwork. Did you have to pay that up front? No, we didn't. Okay. So they allowed you to make payments on it? Yeah. I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't a payment 
plan. There was too much right. to do them within. What you had, you know, clearing your bank account, selling yeah, your house, whatever. A, mm-hmm. Line of credit on our house, like a home equity line of credit that we use. People just don't understand what it's like to adopt a child. You I know? know, it was just so hard to make a decision about our family all based on finances, but that was really what it came down to. Mm-hmm. And of course, we weren't going to pass up Adam mm-hmm. because of a financial decision, but everything leading up to that had been financial. We said, you know, we want to try to save money. This is our second adoption. And as I shared in the previous podcast, we were going to adopt from foster care from the beginning and Lily just fell in our laps. So we, we now have two private infant adoptions that were very expensive when we set out to adopt Mm. From a method that's virtually free, mm-hmm. so we don't have this money in a in an account that we were just hesitant to transfer. We didn't have that money. Mm-hmm. Do you wish that you would have just started with the agency from the beginning? That's a hard question to answer because I, I mean, knowing what I know now, like if birth mom got pregnant again, I would not try to do another method besides the agency, but. I was doing everything that I thought was was valid and correct. Mm-hmm. Right. And it should be easy because you've been through it before, the, the, right? And you have know, the, the, the sister. I, I learned a lot. Mm-hmm. And I think the biggest thing that I learned was you need to know if, if your state is an agency state, mm-hmm. is an agency required to be involved in an, any adoption by the residents of that state despite wherever the child is born. So Mm -hmm. even though we're 15 minutes from the Rhode Island border and our children were born in Rhode Island, Rhode Island is not an agency state. They do not require an agency to be involved in an adoption. You can do an adoption just through a lawyer. In Massachusetts, we are an agency state. An agency is required to do all adoptions. So my husband and I have actually talked about moving 20 minutes away to Rhode Island just to have it be easier on us and future possible future adoptions. Like, wow. It's that dramatic. <laughs> no, no, I totally get that. Mm-hmm. I mean, your story can teach us so many different things about how to avoid chaos. But I will say that in the second time of adopting, often it's crazy. I don't know why. I think you get one really good one and then the second one's like, Bleh! and I do think it's really hard when the hospital treats you as they did, when they treat yeah. you like you're a guest or they almost treat you like you're taking this child and yeah. they aren't really for you. And then the social workers come in and they're not helping you. And you're just thinking, wait a second, I just want to keep these siblings together. And you're good mm-hmm. people. Like, I remember feeling mm-hmm. like that. My husband's like, we are being questioned. Like, we are bad people. Yeah. And yeah. they've done our home study. I mean, they know everything about us and we've adopted mm-hmm. other children. Why are we getting mm-hmm. questioned here? And they're really trying to protect the child. I really do believe it comes from that place. But all the emotions are high for everybody. And you said in this case that birth parents had Adam for most of the time. When you brought him right. home, talk to us a little bit about your attachment with him. Like you said, our first adoption was a dream. I mean, Lily was absolutely fantastic. We bonded with her immediately in the hospital from the moment they wheeled her in, she was ours. So with Adam, 
we definitely felt, or I felt, I'll speak for myself, not my husband, but I felt like I was a visitor and Adam was their child. So it was a very hard transition for me to go home with Adam and to have him feel like my child because I was just kind of a spectator in their hospital room for three days. Mm-hmm. So I had a hard time bonding with him in the beginning and I did eventually attach to him, but it was definitely a harder process than it was with Lily. I totally resonate with that. And I think other parents will hear this and not feel alone. Oftentimes when you fight for a child and there's so much chaos, there's so much money involved, you're dealing with so many different things. And in your case, you were just spectators right? You weren't really the parents and and it was just a different setting. And sometimes that can be disappointing. Now, hear me and what I'm saying, the baby isn't disappointing, right? But the no, situation no. and the way it all came about, it's like you were expecting it to be like Lily and it wasn't. Mm-hmm. And that can be disappointing. You're kind of dealing with that and you're exhausted. There's this element of being exhausted and this kind of, I don't know, sadness comes over you and you do feel like, oh, I need to attach to this baby and I am struggling. And I want to teach you, if you're listening, you've never heard this before. We always focus on the baby attaching to us, but there is an Mm -hmm. element of us attaching to the baby. It's a two-way street. Mm -hmm. We need to attach to each other. And as a mom, if you're struggling with that, it's okay. We get that. It will come. It will come. You do attach to your child. At first, it's just a shock and your system has been through a lot. So give yourself some grace and some time. And it will happen because now you love that baby boy so much. Oh, my gosh. He's so precious. Yes, I love him to pieces. How old is he now? He's 19 months. Aw, and can you tell that they're biological siblings? Well, they're very different, but I love to see them together. I think they look a lot alike. Their personalities are, are different. But, yeah, he he's absolutely amazing. And he's the first boy in a long line of girls on my side of the family. So, that was another thing about bonding. I almost felt like he was an alien. <laughs> I don't know anything about boys. <laughs> I grew up with three sisters. So, but, but yeah, he's, he's definitely mommy's little boy and he's such a little cuddle bug and he loves to give people hugs and kisses and he's so, so sweet. And he's like really physical, you know, which I heard about boys. <laughs> so yeah. he likes to climb things and he was like walking at nine months and he's just very advanced physically. So Aww. He's a very special little boy. I'm so happy it worked out. I remember you texting me and I'm like, oh my goodness. You know, but I yeah. knew it would work out and I knew that God would send somebody to you to help you. Mm-hmm. And I really feel like the agency stepped in and they did not have to do that. So I'm glad they that they had done that really paperwork. Amazing. Yeah, yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. Did the I lawyer have to pay you back? Or what did he say? Was he like, um, oops, sorry. Yeah, that's an excellent question. We actually pursued like ethical action with him to say that what he had done wasn't legal or ethical and he didn't do his due diligence and he was reported to the ethics board because of our complaint, but it it was, you know, they kind of gave him a slap on the wrist. He told us that he was going to give us our money back. We waited to accept that money until we hit the dust had settled on the ethics question. So he did give us that $3,000 back. Oh, good. Well, that's good. Yes. That's kind of a bright yes. part of the story because when we went through it, we didn't get any of our money back. No, mm-hmm. he made us fight him and report him. And anyways, long story, but he's not practicing anymore. But I'm glad to yeah. hear that 
he gave you your money back. And you should always Mm -hmm. demand that. If you have gotten treated badly, you should demand and find a way to try Mm -hmm. to get that money back. It may not always be possible, but you need to stand up for your right. You went through this, you hired somebody to do a job, and when they don't do it, you need your money back. Yes. Mm -hmm. So I'm happy to hear that. Now you have some really good news for our listeners. Yes, yes. I actually found out that I'm pregnant. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Woohoo! I'm so happy for you. Thank you. Thank you so much. We're absolutely thrilled. This is so exciting. When are you due? Um, November 8th of 2019. Yes. Yes. Uh, so Lily is... will be three and a half. Adam will just turn two. Oh my goodness. This is so perfect. Yeah. I can't wait to follow your story. <laughs> thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Congratulations to you and your husband, Natalie. Thank you for your time. Thank you so much, April. Don't forget to like Adoption Now on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, subscribe to our YouTube channel, and remember all of our podcasts are available on our website, adoptionnow.com. Thank you for tuning in to Adoption Now. I'm your host, April Fallon. See you next week.